the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, the 93.9 KPDQ FM Network, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And did you know we've got a new feature on our websites? It's the Church Service Live Stream Directory. And if your church is throwing up a live stream during this pandemic or afterwards so that people can enjoy worshiping and learning about the Lord together over the Internet, make sure that your church is listed. And if you need any details on how to do so, just email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. And I'd also love to talk to you about how to qualify for maybe hosting your own radio program, how to become an authority and expand the reach of your ministry or business both on the air and through our state-of-the-art digital and online resources through our Salem Surround Marketing Branch. When this all settles down, and it will, you could host one of our station's events and bring people to your church or business at no risk to you. So, Please, let's have a conversation, shall we? Just email mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Heard on True Talk 100 a weeknight at 6 and on 93.9 KPDQ weekdays at 1 in addition to Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Sundays at 7 p.m. It's one of the hosts of The Voice of First Nation Ministries, Welcome, Deb Klein. How are you today? I'm well, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us over the line in the middle of this pandemic season. And thanks to you and your late father, the Reverend Don Klein, for all you've done to support our Native American communities. So can you give us the big picture of what First Nation Ministries is used to providing and what you've had to adjust to in the middle of this coronavirus Well, we supply everything that a person needs to live. Um, we, we take food, we take health and beauty aids, paper products, soap, uh, pots and pans, furniture, dishes, clothing, vehicles, whatever we can get our hands on. We try to take out to the reservation and make their lives a little easier. And, uh, since the pandemic, it's a little different because we don't all go to the office and to the warehouse every day. Uh, my sister-in-law, who is, uh, we live together, um, she and I go in on Fridays and do the mail and try to catch up on things. And Jeff, who uh, takes care of the warehouse, he goes in whenever he gets a call that we have a load coming in or whenever we are going to sell part of what we get. We do that so that we can pay our overhead costs 
out of our sales. And that, that way, every dollar that is donated goes to ministry. And so uh, it's just a matter of really, really not much has changed except for the amount of time we spend at the office. So how's the adjustment been? Are some of the reservations open and as accessible as they were before the pandemic, or have there been any closures? And what's the breakdown between those which have more restrictions versus those that have relatively stayed the same for you? Well, um, there are some. I, I'm sure the folks have heard on the news, like the Navajo reservation is is in trouble. Their reservation was left open, and they have a lot of virus there. And then there's uh, the opposite, which would be like the Pine Ridge Reservation back in South Dakota, uh, they've been closed and they are closed uh, right now, and they have they have no cases of coronavirus on that reservation. Uh, so that one is closed. Some in Montana are closed. Uh, the ones around here are open, but you know, the ones around here, for example, the Grand Ronde area, that's a reservation that would be hard to close it because there's a lot of white settlement on that reservation. So um, there's just no rhyme or reason to it. It it depends on how the reservation is set up, whether there's white ownership in there or whether it's totally native and, uh, and just what their, what the head of the reservation, the, the council decides to do. So we we go where we can, and we'll wait until the rest open up. But we continue, during this time, we continue to send financial support to the the Native pastors and missionaries that live on the reservation and work there day in and day out. Uh, We continue to support them so that they can pay their bills and, you know, carry on. That's wonderful that you at First Nation Ministries have been able to carry on so strongly in this pandemic season, Deb. So praise God for that, and thank you for you and for your team and your heart, as well as the efforts that you're making. So when it comes to helping out financially with their bills, what's the most convenient way for us to contribute to you financially? Because we can't drop off items in this season like we used to in the past, right? That's correct, because there's no one at the warehouse. Um, Like I said, I go in on Fridays to do mail and catch up that way, and Jeff is only there when uh, we have a load come in out of Reno or we have uh, a sale that we're going to make so that we can cover our overhead. So the best way to help us at this point is just to donate cash. You can send it to our P.O. box or you you can do it through PayPal. And I'll make sure that all of the pertinent links to your website are up. So it's really quite impressive that you're able to spend all this time on the front line step. So what precautions are you and your team taking to make sure that both you and the people you're serving remain healthy? Well, um, we're just we're doing what the governor has asked. We are we stay home. My sister-in-law is my roommate. And uh, she and I are both older, and we both have allergy asthma problems. So we're trying to be very careful um, <clears throat> to stay safe. And we stay home. We go into the office on Friday. There's no one there but she and I. And uh, and Jeff's doing the same thing. Uh, he just goes in on a different day than than we do. 
and Simone too. Simone is is just a, a brother to us who has helped us in so many ways when it comes to getting goods out of Reno. He set that all up for us. He's a uh, he's just been a blessing to us. And, and so he and Jeff work together and they go in when they need to go in and, and, and we wear masks and we're doing what everybody else is doing. Well, I'm in admiration of the process and of you being responsible to your own health and to each other's and scheduling things so that you're not all in the same place all at once. So good job for you, Deborah Klein. Of the conversations that you've had with these different Native American reservations, what is the vibe you're feeling from them? Because you have a degree of experience in communication with them on the front lines, can you tell us overall what your opinion is on how the reservations are taking the pandemic season? Well, I, you know, I think just like we are, you know, sometimes it's frustrating. But on the other hand, they realize, you know, we we have to stay safe. A lot of Native Americans, especially on the reservation, they're not in good health. The older people, there's a lot of diabetes and, you know, things that undermine uh, the immune system. And so it's just something that, you know, we all have to do and we can't wait till it's over with. So there, there's really not much difference. Part of the problem, I think, with them is um, if they need medical care, like, like say, on the Pine Ridge, if they need to go to the doctor, they have to go to Rapid City. And right now, Rapid City is out of bounds. So, uh, except in case of emergency. So, I think we're all a little uneasy about this because we've never had it before. We don't know how it's going to end. And... and uh, we're just trying to do what the authorities tell us to do to stay safe, and there's just really no difference. Well, you keep plugging forward, sister. And on the home front, are there ways that you and your sister-in-law are taking the time out to make sure that you together stay healthy and get enough rest and eat right? Well, we're doing that. I think I haven't slept so much since I don't know when, and it's it's wonderful, but... <laughs> But I miss going into the office, too. But we're doing our best. You know, we're trying to eat a lot of fruit and vegetables, and we get sleep, and we're staying away. You know, we're distancing from other people. My sister-in-law goes to the grocery store once in a while, and she's very careful. We're just praying for this to be over with, because I think, especially in this country, you can see from TV that we're not used to being told to stay home. I was laughing with my sister-in-law because we were watching on the news about people that are refusing to stay home. They are opening up. And I don't criticize them because I'm sorry. I would hate to be in that position. I'm not in that position. God has been very good to us. But I think this country was kind of founded on rebellion of a, of a sort. We decided we wanted to worship the way we wanted to worship. And so we came to the new country. And, and we're not used to having a government or a king or whatever tell us what to do. And and it doesn't sit well with us. So <laughs> it's just kind of interesting. I'd say interesting would be an understatement, Deb Klein of Voice of First Nation Ministries. <laughs> Americans are a bit rebellious. We don't like to be held back. Great points from the president, daughter of Don Klein and host of the Voice of First Nation Ministries, Deborah Klein. 
First Nation Ministries, they are Christians who care about First Americans. Heard on True Talk at 100 weeknights at 6 and 93.9 KPDQ weekdays at 1, in addition to Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Saturday nights at 7. If you'd like to make a donation, check out the website firstnationministries.org. That's firstnationministries.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk100.com. When we return, more with Deborah Klein from the Voice of First Nation Ministries, right here on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee with my dear friend, Deborah Klein, the president of the Voice of First Nation Ministries, heard on True Talk at 100 a weeknight at 6 and 1 p.m. weekdays on 93.9 KPDQ-FM, where it's also heard Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Sunday nights at 7. Check out the website firstnationministries.org. That's firstnationministries.org because you might not be able to go out to the front lines, but you can still help out the Native American communities in this area with your financial contributions. So, Deb, thanks for taking all the time out of your busy schedule to join us here today on Difference Makers. Can you give us a bit of the history of the Voice of First Nation Ministries, this wonderful radio ministry that has been such a part of the KPDQ family for so many years, going back to your father, the late Reverend Don Klein. So do you remember when you got introduced to the ministry in the first place? Well, I remember that my dad started making trips in his pickup truck out to the reservations. I was in the sixth grade. And he was uh, pastoring a church and felt, uh, that's a whole story in itself, but he felt called to minister to Indian people. And so he just started loading up his pickup truck with what he had, and he would make a trip out cold turkey. He didn't know anybody out there. He just He just went. And I remember him making the trips, but I was pretty young and you know, involved in my own life. So I, you know, he was on a trip and then he would be home and then he would be on a trip and then he would be home. And and that's pretty much how it started. What amazes me about that, Deborah Klein, is the fact that not only did you first start comprehending this as an elementary school student, but that your dad had no connections whatsoever to Native Americans. God just put this mission on his heart with zero connections in the first place. Is that correct? Well, not totally. Um, the The denomination that we were involved with had an Indian school in South Dakota, and my dad would take his vacation. He was pastoring a church here in Portland, and when he, he would take his vacation, he would go back there and help build that school. He helped put in the sidewalks and... Um, you know, just helped get that school going. And so we he knew some of those people just because we were part of the same denomination, church denomination. But when he started dealing with the people on the reservation, he did that cold turkey. And he did that. He, he got some fruit from the growers in Washington, some apples and whatever. And, and you know, fruit is kind of a, a, a rare thing, I guess, 
in places like South Dakota. And so he would drive back there and he would just sit under a tree and, and start peeling an apple. And the little kids would run up and want to know what he was doing. And he'd give them apples. And, and of course, that would bring mama out. What are you doing? And and that's how he got started. And then he just started going door to door saying, you know, I have a box of food here. Could you use it? And uh, that that's how he got started. So the church that he was pastoring had had a connection to this Indian school in South Dakota. Yes. But after that introduction was made, it was all on your dad's heart. Yes. So was there a transition period, or was it fairly soon when the Native Americans found themselves to accept your dad? Well, he always took food, or uh, for a while he was getting cowboy boots from— uh, Danner boots. Uh, so he would always take things. His, his, he always felt like, you know, it's hard to talk to people about the bread of heaven when there's no bread in their bellies. Uh, we need to help supply, make their lives easier with, with just daily living goods. And so he would always take something to them. And of course, they were grateful for that, but suspicious. Native people are suspicious of white people. We don't realize, we don't stop and think how recent uh, our history with the Native tribes is. It's still very fresh in their minds. And so they are distrustful of, of white people. And so it was probably 10 years of doing this before the trust set in. Was that transition period of about 10 years ever frustrating for your dad? Because here is the mighty tall strapping preacher, the Reverend Don Klein, going out, following God's lead, sharing the precious commodity of fruit, this special treat with these Native Americans. And yet it didn't come overnight for them to accept him. So how did he take this throughout this first nine or 10 years? You know, I never heard my dad complain about it. My dad's attitude was always, if he was doing the, what he felt God called him to do, that was enough. He didn't worry about anything else. As long as he was doing what God called him to do, he left the rest of it with God to work out the details. And so I, I don't ever remember him being discouraged. Uh, he was always, he always, we used to laugh and tease him because he always talked about the ministry. You know, he would always turn the conversation to the ministry, no matter who he was speaking with. And so he was always trying to get people behind it, to support it, to see the need, uh, so that he could continue to carry out what he believed God called him to do. And he he was kind of a personality that, you know, I like you, and if you don't like me back, oh well, I like you anyway. And so it didn't matter that they didn't trust him. He he loved them. Uh, he wanted to help them. And if they didn't trust him, that was kind of their problem. He didn't worry about it. That's a great message for us all today, Deb Klein, that your dad, the late Don Klein, did not give up quickly. He took instructions from God, and he followed through even when it didn't come easily, even when people didn't accept him well for the first nine or ten years. 
he didn't seem to doubt himself. He just kept going. Well, and, and we used to laugh and say he's like a pit bull uh, because there's a lot of things in his life that I look at and I said, you know, I would have given up. I would have said, you know, this isn't working. I must have heard the Lord wrong or something. He just never would quit. He just, he was like a dog with a bone and, and he would just find a way to make it work. And I love that. I love that having that heritage because I believe, like I've said before, that God co- doesn't call us to be beautiful or rich or wise, smart, book smart or any of those things. He calls us to be faithful. And so, and, and my dad was in what God called him to do. He was faithful. And what a wonderful example he set for me. And I, I'm eternally grateful for that. So growing up as a pastor's kid, Deborah Klein, was it always like that for you? Were you always so adamant a follower of your dad's perseverance and stick to or did that come over time? That came as I matured. I, I was unhappy <laughs> and rebellious when it came to when he was pastoring because the denomination that we belonged to was so legalistic. And my dad, having been saved out of a, his family was rough. You know, they weren't, they weren't Christians. They didn't know about the Lord and it was a rough family. And so when he was introduced to this church, he just glommed on with both hands. Um, he loved it because it was so different than how his life had been. And he just, he just kind of accepted what they said, uh, hook, line and sinker and, and was willing, you know, he was willing to go along with all their rules and regulations because to him it was worth it. It was, this was a wonderful new life for him. But when I came along, it was stifling to me. And so I rebelled against it. But it, it, as I've gotten older and and my walk with the Lord has matured and developed, I look at him and I admire. You know, even though he he wasn't uh, he wasn't a perfect man by a long shot. He was not a perfect man, but I I believe he did the best he knew how. And he gave me a wonderful, wonderful foundation for my life. Both my parents did. And even though I, I don't adhere, and he, as he got older, he realized that, yeah, you know, that, that's just a man-made rule. God doesn't require that. Um, but, but what a foundation, you know, and I, I'm, I'm glad for it. I, I've always believed it's better to be too strict with kids than too lax. <laughs> so um, I, I think God worked it all out. But I believe that anyway, Mike. I believe that God has a plan for each of our lives, and he brings it to pass. And we are born into the family that he determined us to be born into, and everything that we have experienced, he's either caused or allowed. And he works it all to our good and to to the purpose that he has for us. He is working out the plans for each one of our lives daily. And we don't see it, and sometimes we don't understand it. But the, the hard times he will work for our good if we are doing our best to obey him 
And so, and that's, that's where we can just relax and have peace and joy because whatever happens, we know that God is in control of it and nothing will, nothing will touch us but what he allows it or causes it. And we can relax. Uh, that's what I'm finding as I get older. As I, I am relaxed, I feel at peace, I feel joy. Uh, which is different than happiness. Joy is just an underlying current that runs through your life. Happiness can come and go. It's a flame that comes in and out. But joy can be consistent. And it's so intoxicating when you learn to live on that level that you refuse to live any other way. Uh, I, I don't want anything in my life that will disturb the peace that I feel. So... It's it's all good. Deborah Klein, you certainly have lived out what you're preaching. I remember you sharing with me as basically your dad's caretaker over the last several years of his life on this earth, and it wasn't always easy. So this was far from happiness, seeing you with your dad in the condition he was in before he passed away, and yet you shared a joy and a peace about you, despite the fact that he wasn't himself. Do you have any great stories of what he was doing at night, maybe in his dreams? Well, um, I took care of dad for the last six years of his life. Um, He had dementia, and I think it probably started a lot earlier a lot earlier than any of us realized. But when it came to the to the point that it was just obvious, I moved in with him with he and my mother. And my mother died of cancer, and she died within six months of finding out because she didn't want anything done to prolong her life. Uh, so they just gave her pain medicine, and she, she just went out very peacefully. So, so then I, I moved in full-time with my dad to take care of him. And the first few years were wonderful. We, we would sit and talk about the Lord. And, and when he would go to bed, I would hear him praying in there and singing hymns. And my dad was always a great one for poetry. And he would recite poems that he had learned when he was in grade school and poems that meant a lot to him. Of course, as the years progressed and the dementia progressed, uh, it robbed him of his memory, and uh, and and toward the end, it it was very sad. I, toward the end, I begged God to take him home, because he was miserable, and 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 really, it was a miserable situation for all of us, and and I just begged God to take him home and release him from, uh, as the song said, these bars of bone, and God was merciful and did that. It's tough when our parents get older on us, and especially when they start to slip. But what a fitting honor you gave your dad by caring for him these last years of his life. And I'm sure that he appreciated every moment of frustration that you persevered just so that you could be there for him and with him. So thank you for your efforts, Deb Klein. Well, I I was happy to do it. You know, I... I'm indebted to to my parents. I am indebted to them for all 
for all their humanness and their lack of understanding and whatever they like i said they gave me a wonderful foundation to build on and i i hope i'm doing that for my children i hope they will you know go above and beyond what i know and and uh what i have learned and i think that's that's just the way it works Great words of wisdom from a woman with an incredibly huge heart. Deborah Klein is the president of First Nation Ministries, and she's also doing a lot of the hosting of the Voice of First Nation Ministries. Christians who care about First Americans heard on True Talk at 100 weeknights at 6 and 93.9 KPDQ 1 p.m. weekdays, in addition to Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Sunday nights at 7. When we return... More with Deborah Klein of the Voice of First Nation Ministries. And don't forget, you can make your donations and help them help out Native American communities at their website, firstnationministries.org. That's firstnationministries.org. More with Deborah Klein next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee. And on the line, my dear friend, Deborah Klein, the president of First Nation Ministries, Christians who care about First Americans. So, Deb, we thank you so much for doing so much of the hosting of the program today that, in effect, you inherited from your dad, the late Reverend Don Klein. So tell us, what is the history of what you're doing at First Nation Ministries? Well, we we are trying to, of course— reach the Native American people for Jesus, because that's, that's the solution for the world, Jesus. It's what everyone needs, and the lack of Him the, is, is the root of, of all our problems. So, uh, and, and this is a hard field. There's been a lot of uh, churches, church denominations that have gone into reservations, built a chapel, and they're there for a few years, and then they just leave because it's a hard field. And I think I said before that, you know, Dad, it was probably 10 years of going out to the reservation before the people started to trust him and ask him, you know, why are you doing this for us? Because they are very distrustful of white people, and with good reason. Uh I think most of us have no clue what has actually transpired. And I and I I don't mean to be critical of the natives or of the white people because I on the one hand I believe that God had a plan. There was a reason why he allowed <clears throat> white people to come over here and establish this country. There's never been a country like this one. And uh we have sent out more we have sent out the gospel to the world more than any other country in the world at this point. Used to be England, uh, but now, you know, in the, the recent history, it has been the United States. We have kind of been that, that, uh, beacon on a hill. But in order to get to this point, there were some terrible things done to the native people. And I've been, I've been reading some books that talk about, for example, uh, when they found oil in Oklahoma. Um, we, we put the natives 
on practically the worst land. It was the land that the white people couldn't farm or didn't want to, had no water or whatever. That's where we made reservations and forced Native people on it. And a lot of times we forced tribes who were, who were historical, historically enemies, we forced them on these reservations together. So, um, and, and there was nothing. And I have people say to me all the time, well, why don't they farm? Well, some of them have tried farming. Some of them have been successful. Some of them were successful, and then the government came in and took that land away from them. Uh, so, you know, when they found oil in Oklahoma, then, uh, of course, the, the proceeds to those wells belonged to the Native people. So white, white people came in and married with Indians uh, particularly white men married to Indian women. And at that time, they were the, the ones in charge of the oil. And and people were murdered. People died in Oklahoma over oil rights. And we don't hear about that in school. That's never taught. And then you talk about just recently that pipeline up in North Dakota. People have been murdered over uh, that oil up in North Dakota, very recent history. And, and the government, see, the government made a rule finally that, uh, a reservation was a sovereign nation and, but, uh, Indian police can't do anything to white people that break the law on the reservation. And white police can't do anything to Indian people that break the law on the reservation. So it's just kind of a wild west. You know, people figure they can just do what they want because really nobody can do anything about it. And it's a mess. It's just a mess. And and people get discouraged, you know. Indian people just say it's never going to be right. The white people are never going to do what they promised to do. And so they don't trust us. And they figure that we're peddling a white man's religion, which is totally false because Jesus is the God of all people. He is the God of every color. and uh, But that's a message that we have to teach them. And we have, to, we have to prove to them that they can trust us, that we truly care about them without wanting anything in return. That's why in the past we've been told, you know, you shouldn't give that stuff because they won't take care of it, they won't value it, you should sell it at a low price. Well, no. We're not going to do that because we want them to know we're giving this to you, no strings attached, just because we care about you. And we want you to know that Jesus cares about you and he's the answer to the problems. Not that your life just turns wonderful the minute you accept Jesus. That's not true. The scripture says that as believers, we will have trouble, but that God will bring us through and that's that's the message we want to to reach to them to to take away their feeling of hopelessness because a lot of Indian people on the reservation anyway feel very hopeless, and they say, "Well, why do they stay there? Why don't they go into town?" Well, because they're discriminated against when they come to urban areas. Um, we pretty much all know that people still refer to them as oh drunk Indians. Uh, never mind that we were the ones that introduced alcohol to them. So um, it, it's a mess, and Jesus is the only answer. 
and we are just trying to show them that we love them, no strings attached. Let us help you. Let us give you food for your children and clothing for your family. And if you need a car and if we have one, let us do this for you uh, just to show you that we care. And that's what breaks down their barriers. Because when someone loves you and cares about you and puts that into action, it's pretty hard to keep your wall up forever. That, that breaks down walls. And that's what we're trying to do. Deborah Klein, over your decades of working with First Nation Ministries, do any families stand out in your mind that you were able to share Jesus with in addition to the needs of life? Oh, sure. There's been lots of them. Um, and right now I'm working with a family uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I think the grandmother has been to church, probably a Catholic church. She speaks of the father looking out for us, but but I'm not picking up anything about a personal relationship with Jesus, and I don't get anything from her son and her daughter uh, about religion at all or, or Christianity, a relationship with Jesus. And so I am I'm right now just showing them love. Um, they make beaded work, and I started off buying beaded work from them to help them support their family. And there have been times, uh, like, I don't know if people are aware, but just not too long ago, they had another snowstorm up in the Dakotas. So it was cold, and they were out of propane, and I, I just sent them money to buy some propane because I, I am determined to win them to Jesus by loving them. And... uh so, you know, that's a work in progress right now. That's beautiful that you're not out there to check off a box on your Christianese checklist, Deb. You're there to make and maintain friendships yes, and relationships with people, no matter what they believe at the moment. Hopefully that eventually they'll come to receive Jesus into their hearts, but not making that a condition of you helping them. That's right, because that's above my pay grade. See, what I've learned, Mike, is that my job is to tell them about Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to draw them to Him. So it's not my job to try to convert them. I'm living a Christian life to the best of my ability in front of them. I'm telling them the story of what Christ did for us and, you know, what's available to them through Him. But their decision, that's between them and the Holy Spirit. And that's how I can live with peace and joy and rest, is because I'm not trying to do the Holy Spirit's job. I love it, Deb Klein. Do you believe that some of us in the modern church at times could have a lapse in judgment when it comes to having relationships with others. Obviously, the Bible calls us to have good fellowship with like-minded people, but it never says to shun those who have different beliefs. So how did you get to the point where you just decided you were going to love these people no matter what they believed? While you shared the gospel, of course, but that you weren't going to cut them off if they didn't initially or immediately receive the religion that you're professing to them? Because all you have to do is look at at Jesus's life. He didn't do that. He didn't go into a crowd and say, okay, I'm going to heal everyone who believes that I'm the son of God, get over here on this side, and the rest of you, you know, I can't help you. He healed people. You know, he, he, 
He touched them and made their lives better. He showed love to them without making them have a profession of belief in him. And and a lot of times that's how they came to believe us because what what they what he did for them. So I, I you know I think it's a it's a big mistake to say I'll help you because you believe like I do but you don't so you're on your own. I think that's a huge mistake. We Jesus God is love and we're to be uh, his hands extended in this world. We're to to show people that he is love by our love. And uh, that's that's what we try to do. We just we try to to be good to people and help them as much as we possibly can and tell them about Jesus. And the rest is up to the Holy Spirit. I love your perspective, Deborah Klein, of the voice of First Nation Ministries. And something else I love about you, Deb, is the fact that you are another reluctant radio show host. You had zero aspirations to get into this. <laughs> it was simply your dad's radio ministry, and you eventually partnered alongside First Nation Ministries, but you weren't looking to get on the air. So when did that change in your heart? Because you're so good and you're so popular with our listeners today. I still don't like being on the air. When it's time to make a broadcast, which I haven't done for a while now, but um, when it's time to do that, I'm just filled with a sense of inadequacy and dread, and I can't wait till it's over. But, you know, every time I start, I always ask the Holy Spirit to just anoint me and anoint my words to use them any way He can, and He's faithful to do that. And so, I never look forward to it, but... I do it because I know He will help me. And that's the only way I can do any of this is because I know He will help me. This this whole ministry was laid in my lap one day. Dad walked in and said, I can't do it anymore. You've got to take it over. I was unprepared for it. I was unschooled for it. Um, and I felt kind of panicky, but, but God knew. And see, He sent Jeff Phipps, who's his grandfather, Jeff Phipps' grandfather, was the one that built that Indian school back in the Dakotas that I was talking about. And so, he's like a brother to me, and, and we both understand things, and Jeff is, is native himself. So, um, God never calls you to do something that He doesn't equip you to do for uh, to do it. And even though I felt inadequate, and I still do, uh, I believe that God just helps me to to do it. And if he's helping, what can I be afraid of? If he is helping me, you know, I may have feelings of dread, like, oh, dear, I don't know if I can do this. But yet I know in my mind that he has never failed me. And so we just plug along. (laughs) There's this expression I've heard, Deb, which goes something like, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I have that in my office. That's absolutely the truth. That, to me, epitomizes Deborah Klein and what you're doing through the voice of First Nation Ministries, both on the air and helping people out, whether it was dropping off supplies or helping send funding their way. Is there anyone you want to send a shout-out to on the way out, Deb? Um, Well, you've caught me off guard. There's a lot of people I would like to give a shout-out to, but I, I just want to thank... Uh, the people that pray for us and the people that financially support us because I've always said that this is a chain and each one that prays for us and sends money 
to support the ministry. They are a link in the chain, and, and if the chain is broken, we can't do it. And so everybody, they may not be going out to the reservation, but they make it possible for us to do it. And I think when we stand before God and He puts the fire to what what we've done with our lives, that will remain. They are every bit as much a part of this ministry as I am or Jeff or anyone. And so I just want to, I want to say the Lord bless you with his richest blessing. And thank you so much. Longtime member of the KPDQ family, Deborah Klein, thank you so much for your heart to just reach others with the gospel and especially those in these Native American communities that you're reaching as the president of First Nation Ministries. Make sure that you listen to the voice of First Nation Ministries weeknight at 6 on True Talk 800 and weekday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ-FM where you can also hear the program Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Sunday nights at 7. So God bless you, Sister Deborah Klein. I really admire all that you're doing. And if you'd like to make a contribution, check out the website, firstnationministries.org. That's firstnationministries.org. Thanks for joining us on Difference Makers. Mm-hmm.